Welcome to, um, this is series number two, series two, part two of uh, these emails, Shiurim. So welcome back, for those of you that are joining us. Yesterday we went through some very, very exciting Shiurim, um, uh, Shailas that came up, very interesting ones I must say. And we've got some more today, Be'ez Hashem. I actually want to start with one which wasn't an email one, but was an a, a in-person question, those still exist. Uh, somebody came over Shabbos after davening with one of these. You, I don't know in England or in America or in um, South Africa if they if they do you use these ones, the simple regular like um, surgical like these are like the dentist ones, right? I mean, yeah, they do in America. In England, they do as well. Yeah, they do. Oh, Toivi, thank you. Okay, very 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 simple. Mummish, they come like they come like folded up sort of thing, and you sort of just like. Rip them open. Obviously, that's not a shiner. That's not even a shiner. So, what's the shiner? Somebody came over to me. He wants to know, are you allowed to move the nose piece? Right? They have like a little nose piece there. That sort of molds to your nose. So, um, originally, I thought it would be a problem of makibapatish. Like the Moganavom tells us, if you have like a spoon or a fork that's out of shape and you bend it back, that's actually nisidaraisa makibapatish. I originally thought this would be a problem. Until one of my kids dismantled the mask. It's not so hard, actually, to be honest with you. Um, and if you do that, um, obviously, I'm going to have I'm going to have to use the golden scissors to do this. Um, let's try to open it up, see what the matzah is over here. That's the only way to find out how we paskin in certain things. It's so interesting. I never thought there it is, look, guys. There, there. Here's one. I didn't prepare it earlier and put it inside. It actually came. It's it's a tie twist. It's almost a tie twist. I thought it was like this. I don't know. Maybe I thought too highly of a one shekel mask. It, I thought it was like a, a, a like a piece of metal or something that was like you know hoshev and stays in its place. It's literally a tie twist. It's one of those things that you know the, the shailas on Shabbat the, by the bread. If you're allowed to do that, you know one of those. So this actually is actually okay. That that's already worse. I post obscene in the Rambam, whatever. So that that actually is much more of a problem. But we don't do that. We're talking about just simply just like turning it one way or the other way. Now, if you notice, it's so easily formed. I don't think there's a problem with that. I think it's mutter on Shabbos, and uh, that is not a problem whatsoever because it keeps on going up and down. It keeps on uh, keeps on moving the whole time. So I don't think that's a problem. So again, in, in case any of you even thought there was actually a shaila, most of you are like, oh wow. I haven't even thought that would be a Shiloh on Shabbos. Okay, so now you know, yes, there's a Shiloh. But Baruch Hashem, it is okay. We'll put that one in the bin now. Okay, let's move on, Rabbi Isai. Let's start some of the emails. So I want to mention this one, only for one point, Rabbi Isai. Um, it's like this. Shalom Aleichem, Rebbe Omoiri. Ever since I've listened to Torah any time, I've heard Shalom from many different speakers. But once I heard my first share from the Rosh Hashiva, I knew that this will be my go-to speak on Torah any time, and it still is. Whether in Halacha, Musa, or Dostavor, on the weekly parasha, I don't think there's a week that goes by without me listening to the Rosh Hashiva at least once. The clear, short, and concise Shalom keep me focused every time and anxious for the next one. Look at that, guys. Especially, aha, uh-huh, with the English accent. Yeah, yeah, we knew it. There it is again. Recently, I've been listening to Shurim on Hilacha Dinyan and When I heard Roshiva mentioning he's having a question and answer session after Shvuas, that was our right series one, remember that? I was really tempted to send in a question that's been bothering me for a long time about Taivas Noshim. In the end, I didn't. Why didn't he? Okay, now this is classic, Rabbi Isai. There's a reason I'm reading this email, not for the beginning, it's for this. In the end, I didn't because I thought that it's only me who has that problem. And I was embarrassed to even write it out. 
Then, when I heard part one of the reading emails, it spoke about this topic. I was very excited. It was very comforting to know that I'm not the only one. And just because I had this problem doesn't mean that I'm a nobody. And really gave me a lot of chizit to move on and strive to become better. Since then, I've listened to all the Shomon Shoiv of him, which was very, very helpful. And that's incredible. And he said, I've come to appreciate the fact that I have glasses, that when it's hot and sunny outside, I could just take them off when I walk. That is incredible, Rabbi Isai. May the Rashiva Zoycha to continue to be Marabit's Torah to the whole world and give chizit to all those in need. Amen. Um, unbelievable. So, Rabbi Isai, there's a reason I want to read that out because sometimes, you know, and that's, I think, one of the purposes of these series is because, like, oh my gosh, it's not just me. I thought it was just me. Right? I, was, I was speaking on Shabbos to uh, a therapist. Not for myself, obviously, right? That's what they all say. And um, he says to me, this is like a classic. He says, this is a classic. Everyone that comes into his office says the same thing. He says, I've got it worse than everyone else. Rabbi say it's not true. Everyone's a human being. We all go through this. And we have to realize that the Rabbi Shalom gave us a Yitzhara, but he gave us a Torah Tavlin, a way to combat that Yitzhara. But I'm not going to go into it again because we've done that. But I just want to be machazic that, that understanding that sometimes people think that, oh, I'm not going to ask that question because that's really embarrassing. It's just me. And it's really, really not true. So uh, let's move on, Rabbi Say. Okay. Hello, this is Mike Steen, Memphis, Tennessee. Nice, I've never been there before. Psh. Memphis, Tennessee, that's where um, Robert Green, uh, uh, Greenblatt was from, right? Talmud of Ramosha, where all those truvers. I've been listening to your daf during this vacation, nice way of putting it, that the world is on. I thank you very much. Shiloh occurred to me for, these dav- for those doubling outside in a shul in a parking lot. There are still people doing that, right? Donia, you're probably still doing that outside, right? Guys are still doing outside, outside Red Toby? Yeah? I think so. There are still people in the world doing these things. Is it motor or even recommended to take out a safer Torah for shuls not laning or on days there is none? So Tachnan could be said with Nefila Sapayim. I don't think so. No. Uh, we don't take out a safer Torah for our own usage. Somebody asked me this question about Anim Zemiris, which is obviously even less than this, but right for Anim Zemiris, he meant to open up the Ranakodesh. Do we take out the safer Torah from the house or wherever it's being stored in order to, you know, Ki'ilu say Aaron's mirrors in front of the Sefer Torah? And the answer is no, we don't move a Sefer Torah unless it's the Tzorah for the Kriya Torah itself. And therefore, no, I do not recommend taking out the Sefer Torah. And the truth of the matter is, even though, even if it's in our house, there's no real reason of saying Tachan in that case because there's no Sefer Torah and there's no Aaron But I would not suggest taking out a Sefer Torah from that case. Okay, let's move on. Um, hi. First of all, thank you so much for doing part two of the email series. Well, hey, here we are. I really enjoyed the first one. I have just uh, a question here. Hope you can answer. Is it not the Torah Derech to be a vegan? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Is it the Torah Mahalach to be a vegan? All right, so, uh, you know... (laughs) That's the problem with this. Like that, we, we mentioned that, uh, if you remember that horror at the end of yesterday's share, how it's not right when I mention a thing and we don't go through the whole thing. Well, that's basically this entire share and yesterday's and probably tomorrow's. We can't go through everything, but it's just to give you a bit of a taster. So I, I would say like this. I don't think there is a halachic problem of being a vegan. If someone wants to be a vegan or a vegetarian or all different you know, ways of doing it and how machme you are, we're not going to go into. But I don't think from a halachic aspect there is any issa uh, although on Shabbos and Yontav it's a wonderful mitzvah and it's a wonderful nice thing for a person to eat meat, 
and the Mitzvah Hashem when the Beis Hamikdash comes, there could be there's a real chiyav that the Rambam says and the Gemara says already ain simcha elo babasa v'yayin, and therefore then there will be a real chiyav and a real Mitzvah to eat meat. Bismana zeh, we don't have a Beis Hamikdash, and therefore we don't really go with that idea that you have to eat meat on Yontif. It's a wonderful thing to eat meat on Yontif, but you don't have to. And now, of course, the Torah was given. For Tainuk. The Torah was given that we enjoy it, the Loyletzar. And therefore, if it bothers you, it annoys you, it upset, you know, it's, it's, it's distasteful, it's not nice, you don't enjoy it, for whatever reason that you don't want to have meat, then that's fine. That's not a problem. You don't, you don't, you don't However, from a Hashkafic outlook, if you're doing it because you feel that this is not right, and it's cruelty to animals, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not right to the animals, and extinction, and all of these sorts of things, that is not a Torah Ashkofer. Because we see clearly from the Torah, from the Gemara, from Chazal, from all over the place, there's a Yonim to eat meat, and to, you know, be busy, whether it's tefillin that we make with animal skin, whether it's a safer Torah that we write on, you know, animal... There's many, many, many things that we're busy with animals, many things that we eat that we've got to do with animals, and therefore, no, if you're doing it because you don't like meat, you don't want meat, it's not healthy, okay, you could say that, that's fine, from a lucky aspect, that's not a problem. But if it's coming from a hashkafic way, from a hashkafa point of view, then no, that is definitely a questionable Yiddish hashkafa. Okay, but I don't want to spend too much time on that, because obviously that's controversial, and I'm going to get emails now saying, who, how can you say this, because he's going to give me 18 marimakomis, you know, it's always those people that find the marimakomis, like if a guy wants to wait one minute, after eating meat, so he'll find Toysvus and Chulin that says we have to wait between you know eating meat, Suda the Suda. But anyway, let's move on. Um, okay, okay, first of all, I'd like to thank you for all your show, I really enjoy them. I have a question I toiled an appliance since it was high up from the water, I held it by the plug. Is that an issue? The machine went into the water, just the plugged in. So, Baruch Hashem, first of all, I would say, Ashrecha. Most people think, well, if it's attached to the ground and you plug it in, it doesn't need to be the skin, right? No such thing. And Baruch Hashem, there are people who are still toveling electric items and nothing happens to the items. Um, like I said, I always tell people, I don't think any Achrayas personally, but I've always told people, come back to me if it breaks. Nobody ever came back to me. And the reason is simple science. Wires and water have no problem one with each other. It's water. And um, it's water and electricity that's the problem, not the wires. So as long as you keep it dry and wait to use it until it gets dry, then you're okay. And actually, that was, what he did was correct. You don't have to dip the whole plug in, even though it's true. You have to tovel the whole item. For example, I'll just give you an example. We'll take our golden scissors. And imagine this was a knife. So a lot of people, and I've had this, by the way, by people in Shea in previous times, that I always mention this, that, oh, but when you have a whole knife, so this is, let's say, plastic, this is metal, right? The the classic Israeli knives, plastic at the handle, metal on the tip, right? So people just tovel in the blade, because that's the metal part, this is plastic, plastic with a tovel, right? Not true. Once it's one clee, you have to tovel the entire clee. So I have a lot of people like, oh my gosh, seriously, they have to retable the whole thing. So you could say the same thing with a machine. That machine also you have to table the whole thing, including the plug, because it's all one piece. But no, the plug and the wire, you don't have to table. You can dip it in for as quick as possible, and therefore you are okay. Okay, moving on, Rabbi Sai. Um, all right, this is probably going on one of the shurim that we had. Uh, we had a real issue where we had put down a boy's name on a, um, on a what's it called, uh, uh, a resume for a shidduch, amongst other boys as a reference for our son. We were getting many rejections, which didn't make sense, because he's a good boy. 
Baruch Hashem, happily married now. So I had, I had someone call the references of one of the boys, and we found that he was giving bad information. For example, listen to this. He said he was not such a masmid, because during lunch he wasn't in the base of Medrash. Mm-hmm. So would, uh, would one be allowed to call up one of the people on the resumes in order to find out if they're giving nice information? So I, I don't know, you have to be careful with that. Right, I don't know if there's a real TLS, although maybe there is a TLS to know if they should be on the list, and they're stum lying and exaggerating and saying things that shouldn't be done. If you're really choshish for it, then I would definitely say so, and, and it's pashas, it's not lifting either, because there is a TLS, even if it's not the same TLS as he's giving, which is for Shaduchim, it's a TLS which is for Shaduchim, because they take you off the list and use somebody else. So, I don't think it's such a major problem. Let's move on. Hey, Rabbi! was watching the disposal of Sforim Mitzvah items, Halacha. I'm wondering, what do you do if your Shabbat candles got blown out by the wind, but half is still there? Can you relight them for another mitzvah like Malava Malka? Or Rosh Chodesh? Or once they're used for Shabbos, you should not use them again. In fact, it is brought down in the Yachronim, that if the candles do get blown out, this is, by the way, very Nagea for Yom Kippur, because there's no Kippur, there's an Indian, there's a meaning to write, and then a Shama. And if it gets blown out, we just light it after Yontuf. The same thing applied for Shabbos candles as well. And forget if you're using them for another mitzvah, like for Malava Malka or for Ishkod, that's beautiful. And therefore, it's a wonderful thing to do. Also, for items that you mentioned could be thrown away respectfully, does it include a broken Natila Sadaim cup? Good question. You got a broken Natila Sadaim cup, can you just put it in the bin? Or do you have to, like, treat it respectfully? What about the used mounting tape of a mezuzah? that you scrape off when you put a new tape on. Excellent. Both of them very, very important questions, and I think both of them could be answered with one answer, and that is they're both Tashmishe Mitzvah, right, as we mentioned, those are things that uh, help us perform the Mitzvah, and therefore uh, will require putting away in a respectful manner, doesn't need Seamus, wrap it in a bag, put it in the bin. Okay, let's move on. Uh, hello, Rav, thank you again for everything you do for Klal Yisrael. Can I form, can I use... Foam earplugs on Shabbos, if they fit into my ear and then return to pl- to place after I take them out. Thank you. Excellent question. Also, I think I know this guy. So, uh, yeah, sure I do. Yeah, like, great guy. So, um, there are two types of earplugs. There are two types of earplugs. There's an earplug that when you push it, when you squeeze it, it's like blue tack, right? It's like thumbtack. And as it put, takes that form and then you stick it in your ear. That's also. That's also mamrech, mamachek, you're not allowed. There's another type, probably the more cheaper ones, the ones that they give out in, um, on the aeroplanes, at least where I fly. Maybe some of you guys fly a different class where you get the Hoshav ones, but where I fly, they give these little foam ones that, you know, you, you just squeeze and they bounce right up. So those ones are like more like sponges. So those ones are absolutely fine, even though it gets the shape in your ear, but they don't intrinsically get the shape, and therefore those will be permitted on uh, Shabbos. Okay, let's move on. Hey, Rabbi, this is Yaakov Zevi. Here we are from Dallas, Texas. Ah, this guy's Gavaldic. If I'm not mistaken, he's a 14-year-old boy that's holding every day in the Dafriyem Yishir. Unbelievable. I'm looking forward to meeting by the Seymash house. I had a question about where it talks about... Listen to this question. It's a great question. Where it talks about water sitting uncovered overnight or too long during the day. Your day is Simon Tezayin. He didn't mention that, but that's what he meant. So, in Israel, I believe... Yaal, I like that. I like how he writes that. Right? It's Y dash A L L. That's real Dallas, Texas, right? Yaal. Yaal. I believe you all get your water by from the sea by putting by putting it 
by putting it through a very intense filtration system. So if that's true, how can y'all out there drink it because it sits for who knows how long without being covered? Thank you so much. I am very eager to hear your answer. That's a great question. You guys hear the question? Interesting question, no? At 40, were you guys thinking of these Shilas? <laughs> anyway, um, the Maisa, so I, I, I think I told him like this. I think I said, because he was very much waiting for the answers. I had to email him back. Unbelievable kid. So I would say that, great question, not mentioned in Shulchan Aruch or any of the Gedolei Poiskim, but I would be tempted to say that the is of uncovered water or liquid is when it's Roilishtia. If they have to put it through such a intense filtration system, then basically it's not Roilishtia when it's in, you know, river form or whatever it is in the, in the sea. And therefore it's not considered to be Roilishtia. If it's not Roilishtia, it's not Roy for drinking. Therefore I don't think there's a problem with uh, sitting and waiting overnight or for an extended period of time. That's my answer. Okay, let's move on. Okay, this comes from Lakewood. I wanted to know if there's a difference, and what is it, between moving a lamp or a fan or clock on Shabbos. I was brought up by moving a clock or a fan for a need, but not moving a lamp. But he was brought up correctly, because I happen to know his father, so he is correctly brought up. And there's a, what is the difference? No, Rabbi said, I don't know the difference. What's the difference? The difference is a fan or a clock it's a klisha It is a utensil which is attached to the uh, plug or batteries, and therefore it's a klisha malachta And therefore, for a tsoirach, can be moved with tsoirach from a koma. A lamp, however, a lamp is very different because a lamp generally will have a uh, bulb that goes red hot. A bulb that goes red hot is considered to be ash. And therefore, true, it's similar to a fan. But it's much worse because it's got ash inside there, and ash you cannot move because ash is muktzah machmas The exception to that is most of our lamps have nowadays LED lights and other sorts of lights which are not getting hot and therefore not considered to be ash. Therefore, back to the same shaila and therefore the same halacha as moving a regular fan or a clock. But again, if you have a lamp that has a bulb in it, which is a hot 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 bulb which gets hot, that's got a innovation. Obviously, that's much worse. Okay, let's move on, Rabbi Sai. Let's home. Where are we holding? Okay, we have a few minutes. Gavaldic. Any of you have questions? Put them in the box. Um, wow, we've got to get through a whole bunch over here. Okay. Okay, Rabbi said, let's go. Hello, Rabbi Rizavaldi. It's a immense Torah that I really wanted to echo the words of many Torah anytime who praised and thanks the Rabbi for Ishurim. I've also learned and so much. I feel very much extremely grateful to access the incredible form of learning, Baruch Hashem. And it's true. Torah anytime is an incredible way and we should all thank them. I added that. I have a few questions about the various topics that have been covered in the recent Shurim. I am listening below. Okay, we're not going to go through all of them, but there's quite a few. Uh, with laws of honoring one's parents... Is one allowed to ask one's parents to do something for oneself? For example, can I ask my parent to bring me something like water or make me something like a pouring a drink at the meal? I know you should definitely, um, that you should definitely do this for your parents, but as a child, can you ask your parents to do these kind of favors for you? We all do this all the time. When we're young and embarrassing enough, I never thought to stop these actions. Excellent question. I don't think we covered this by the Kibbutz of Ein Shea. I think it's a great question. I think I would be tempted to say that Me'ikadin, you're probably right. And yes, you cannot use your parents to do your personal needs for you. But I would think nowadays, uh, as we mentioned then, 
parents are generally moichel, and if you're not going to ask them and, you know, have to do everything yourself and whatever it is, they're going to be like, hello, why don't you just ask me? I'm standing right there, you know? So, therefore, you're going to have to sort of, sort of figure that out. No, you should not ask your parent when you're lying in bed, hey, mom, can you get me some water, please? Yeah, no, no, that's not, no, you don't do that. But if your mother happens to be standing next to the bottle of water, and whatever, you know, then I think that's that's pretty much understood, and that would be okay, and that's not not disrespectful, and I think your parent will be mocheled on that, that's not a problem whatsoever. Um, uh, let's move on, this one I'm not going to mention. Ah, this a couple of times this one came in. The question is actually from the shit that I listened to about uh, Seamus. Um, I wanted to clarify the loch of deleting shum on one's phone. I know Moshe said to replace the share, but if that's not possible, can I delete a share from one's phone? Um, additionally, how come it's the meaning to burn our lulavim with chomets? Is that a form of geniza? So the reason why we burn our lulav with chomets is because burning the chomets is a mitzvah, and therefore we basically use the lulav as fuel for the mitzvah, and therefore something that was done in mitzvah, we do another mitzvah. That's why burning people keep that frashas chala, also for the, uh, for the strafers chomets as well, for the same idea. But moving on to what she said, and that was in regards to, uh, the deleting the shit, it's true, Moshe said to replace it, very hard to do that on most of our phones or most of our MP3s or you know all these whatever things that people have even on your computer it's hard to replace it you have to delete it and then you put another one so basically yeah there's definitely a mocker to the nickel with that over there uh, moving on I get in there Shabbos is it an Issa of Boira if I have a pitcher with fruit inside and the spout is small and wouldn't allow the fruit to come out when I pour I don't want the fruit to, to uh, I don't want the fruit to come out but I'm not pouring it with the spout in order to block the fruit Nafkamina uh-huh. If I take off the lid and allow the fruit to come out when I pour, I want the normal spout because it's the best way to pour, and an added benefit that it, the fruit won't come out. Thank you. Okay, so, great question, and I think I would say that that is similar to Shlomo Zalman's uh, case of the drainage system that you have in your house, where you've got the blockage on your sink, and you pour the chicken soup down, so the chicken soup goes down, and the carrots and everything else stay on the top, where that is not boira, even though it is doing a mice boira, because my kavonah just said it shouldn't get blocked. And it's the same thing over here, is I want the liquid, I, you know, I don't necessarily not want the fruit, but I just don't want it coming out, I don't want to block this spout, and like he said, that's not the purpose why he's using that, and therefore that will be okay. The reason he's using the spout is because it's a convenient way of pouring, and therefore that is fine. Uh, let us, let's move on, Rabbi Sai. Couple more is all that we have time for at this moment of time. Um, okay, so we'll just do this one more just for today. If most Mazinus are Sophic Hamoitzi, why don't we bench Birchas Hamozim, which is Doraisa and Sophic Doraisa Lachomra? Nice question, I like that. The answer is quite simple, without going into way too many details. Um, it's not really that a, a Mizoinus is a Sophic Hamoitzi. We mentioned this yesterday. If you remember yesterday, we gave a Hakdoma to Pasa Baba Kistin, the three-way Machlikas, Kuf Samaches, whether or not what is considered to be something that turns into Mizoinus. And it's not really a Sophic. It's just there's different ways of paskening, and it could be they all agree to each other, maybe, maybe not, whatever, that's the Rukibeg and the Be'alocha. And Al-Koponim, once I have one tonight, it comes a Vade a Mazonis, as long as I don't eat the She. Therefore, if I eat a Mazonis less than the She, it is a Vade Mazonis. That's not a Sophic Kamoitzi. It's a Vade of Mazonis. It's only considered to be a Sophic Kamoitzi if I eat it in the Suda. Then it's a Sophic Pass, and a Sophic Pass won't require a Brocha Toich the Suda. Whereas, if I eat a piece of cake, or I have 
have some pretzels or crackers, whatever it is, outside a Suda, it's a Vadai Mazoinus. There's no Sophic Amoite that I should Sophic the Raisa bench. However, once I eat the Sheh, even the Shulchan Aruch is masking that once you eat the Sheh, then you are considered to be, um, then you can, then it's already Hamoitzi. It's not even a Sophic anymore. Then it's a Vadai Hamoitzi. So it goes from Vadai Mazoinus to Vadai Hamoitzi. And I mentioned one last Kavaldiga question from one of the Choshev Abachim. Uh, recently when saying the first paragraph of Shema before Karbonus, I spaced out and suddenly I was toward the end of Vahoya. I had said it absentmindedly. My intention, of course, was to say the full Shema later on in Davening. Could I have finished Vahoya and Vayoyma then and been Yotsu Krishma even though it wasn't my Kavonu at first? Uh, thank you for ev- thank you again for everything and have a wonderful Shabbos. Great question. Great question. It's like Shlomo Zalman said that when we double Shimon Esra, we should really say Tefillah Sederach first because our mind goes on to a million things that's going on in our day and figuring out what, what we're going to do with the rest of our day. And it's just what part of davening that unfortunately, you know, we had to sort of be machazak ourselves all the time to try and have kavana. But I would say um, it does depend. Um, if the if the, if the uh, Kriyashma that you're saying later was still in the Zman, then for sure you could say it later. Um, even if the, you were saying it earlier because you wanted to chap the, the Zman of Krishna and later on to be after the Zman, then Lamaisa, you are going to be Yaitse in that case, um, as long as you said most of it, and as long as you said Krishna, as long as you said the first possible, because it's true that we try to say all three Prokim, but that's Lachatchila, but Lamaisa, for the evidence of a person one possible, is Yaitse, Shemai Sola Shemalakina Shemachod, in that case, uh, at least for the evidence, and this, in this case, he did say it, Pashtus, he just didn't have the right Kavona, but his Kavona in the beginning was to say it, and therefore it will be okay. Alright, Rabbi Sai, there are a lot more questions. Tomorrow, Be'ezus Hashem, the idea is we're going to move on to the Hashkofa side of the emails. Um, different shadows that have come in hashkafically, which are very, very interesting, that are very negate to all of us. And then we will decide whether or not we do one more of these emails. If you want to send an email, aw at etrog.net.il. All right, Rabbi uh, that pretty much um, uh, goes on with that shit. So I just want to just remember that tomorrow... Is that Shkofa one? So if you have a question, please try to send it in by today. Right? Again, emails is the best way of doing it. You send it in by today, so I know that I've got for tomorrow. And then Be'ez Hashem will have everything set for tomorrow. Be'ez Hashem. Are there any questions based on what we said today? Um, Yitzhi Fortune asks if there are LED bulbs. Yes, there are. There are LED bulbs, indeed. Yeah, you can get them. Okay.